This week on Forward, Zach and I discuss Amazon's labor unions, Roe v. Wade, student loans, and if you should blow your money on a wedding. This week on Forward. We're back, Jules. We are back. How are wow. you? I'm great. How are you? I'm pretty good. Before we dive in, we've had some changes in the pod, mm-hmm. and no one's real. We've never really talked about it. Maybe I'll start like with some high level, but love your thoughts too. What we'd like to do is broaden, and we've kind of touched on this a bit, like broaden out what Andrew stands for into a more of a media company. So, um, loving having you on because mm-hmm. I think you're uh, definitely smarter than me on this stuff, but. Um, but it's also a hel- it's like a new perspective too, which mm-hmm. I really enjoy. So um, we haven't figured out the cadence yet. So you guys have noticed you've had Andrew on with me, Andrew on with Jules, Zach on with Jules, Jules on with someone else. I know, I know. We were never really de- discreet about. We it. haven't told you what the heck to expect, but I hope <laughs> we've been I hope testing. you like tune in. Like, hey, this is interesting. If it's not, mm-hmm. it'll be a little different next week. So keep tuning in. And you guys have been like numbers have been pretty solid. So thank you. Actually, uh, Jules rates better than everybody. So thanks for. Oh really? Yeah. I well, didn't know at least that. on the YouTube comment section. So <laughs> I don't know how fickle that is. I'm glad to be back again. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about a bunch of stuff today. We we talked about a whole bunch of things. Yeah. Well, yeah. To your point. Because I'm used, I'm typically used to short form content. Like that's my thing. So I feel like I'm finally getting comfortable with the more long form podcast. Does it bother you that we have to dive deeper on stuff that you can't just like make your point, hot take, get off? The thing with me, like it's like I love curating information, and I'm like super nitpicky about it. So after mm. after podcast, a lot of the time, it's so easy for me to be like, oh, like I wish I would have said this differently, or I didn't mean to say it like this. It's so easy to like get in your head with long form content, but I'm getting used to it. Also, it's just like, uh, yeah, with digital footprints and everything too. It's like, cause it's not only like, oh, you, me and you talking about something, it's now like the public opinion isn't on it too. Mm, yeah. And like, there's all like these compounding factors now when something yeah. goes online that you're like, oh crap. You think about it more when it's not like as curated. Cause on TikTok, I have short form contents, like two to three minutes and mm-hmm. yeah, I do research. I do writing before. And then I record once I like feel super confident in it and I, I press post myself and it goes out that way. So there's just a lot more of like the nitty gritty details that you get into but that's that's the that's the beauty about podcasts too i think like a lot of people it's crazy to me when people take out of context clips from long form podcasts because oh yeah and also if you're sitting down talking for hours on end every single week it's like yeah people aren't perfect it's real-time stuff if you had a mic in on like conversations with your friends you're bound to say some some weird stuff sometimes so well, but a, i'm getting used to it and it's been it's been good someone said this to me about joe rogan they're like oh you know, yeah like, of course he said something racist he said infinity things yeah he's been talking hours and hours for what now that's not that doesn't excuse no, any yeah, bad yeah. behavior but like he said everything mm-hmm. right so there's gonna be stuff that maybe is is not great um and he and like he apologized for some of the things he said and, and, and should have um but also i think you know, it's not a, we're not a public panel. I mean, we are, I mean, operationally, I guess, but you're not, like, it's not formal comments. It is supposed to for be sure. raw and real. And so one of the things we learned on the, on when Andrew's running for mayor, they were like combing over our podcast episodes. hundred percent. And what was nice though, is that, I mean, they hammered us a couple things, but generally they, they backed off, mm-hmm. particularly on me, because Andrew said a bunch of things, but like, who's this guy, right? Um, because they got a sense after listening to hours and hours of me talking that I'm, 
they didn't think I was a fundamental asshole, mm -hmm. which was nice. So thank you, uh, folks, for uh, frankly giving us the ability to air stuff out. And actually, mm -hmm. today I want to have there are two topics. I want to talk a bunch of topics, but there's two topics yeah. I think um, that I think the country deserves a real, nuanced, rational conversation on. And it's two is unions and abortion, which like. The union's pretty polarizing, too, and abortion, I don't think you find anything more polarizing, particularly at this moment. So I've been keeping up with the whole Amazon union situation over the past few weeks, months, and I recently started following Chris Smalls on Twitter, and he's just, like, like awesome. Like, just, just keeping up with what he's doing, also just, like, literally has been, this is going to go down in, like, history books, legitimately. Yeah. And it was crazy to me, like, doing more research about this. And at one point, the Amazon's chief counsel described Mr. Smalls as not smart or articulate. In an email that mistakenly went out to more than a 1,000 people within Amazon, this week he spoke in front of the Senate Budget Committee about, right. like, yeah, um, how tax taxpayer dollars should not go to companies that violate labor laws and everything like that. Right. He spoke in front of them. So articulate, yeah. so great. So what, what was that probably rooted in? Some BS of yeah, the Amazon some, people saying yeah. that. Uh, either racism or dismisses, dismissiveness. Yeah. Um, but can you summarize this situation for those who, um, I think maybe people are not familiar with Chris by name, Chris Smalls by name, but mm -hmm. maybe you're aware that there's an Amazon union fight that was um, made some news. Yeah, so he's Amazon's labor unions, uh, the president right now, and it was uh, the first union in America for Amazon. I think it, Amazon in general, like just yeah, across the world. The first successful one. There's yes. been a few efforts. And close to homes in Staten yes. Island, because we're in New York City right now. Um, so yeah, he won the first successful unionization effort at Amazon, um, and it's one of the most significant labor victories in a generation. It's huge, and he's- it's Sad that there haven't been that many, but yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, I was reading an article, I didn't realize, uh, I don't know if it was him exactly, but people within um, trying to build up this union had utilized like, yeah, platforms like TikTok to get the word out to other mm -hmm. Amazon employees and everything like that. So it's just been fascinating to keep along with. And of course, you know, Amazon's trying to, has been trying to block it and everything like that and speaking against it. But yeah, this week he spoke in front of the Senate Budget Committee. He met with President Biden and there was like a, a lot of videos on that. That's and just, cool. yeah, he's, he's doing great. Like even when he's, he went on Fox News and he's super just like balanced and chill with everything. He, like people are trying to kind of hit him with these questions that the gotchas yeah the gotcha questions yeah. and he's he's not giving into it and he's being very straightforward it's really cool to watch honestly. he did this so um to me um it's fascinating to me because he didn't mm -hmm. do it the way most the, the other union efforts have failed where they get a polarizing congressman or woman they drum up freak out press there's all the ho hype and hoopla yes. he just kind of organized a quiet walkout just community yeah just, and then Amazon's like, oh, wait, this sucks. And like, now our factory's not working. Like, mm -hmm. now we'll come to the table because you're clearly in it for, uh, for the, it's, uh, he's clearly in it for the right reasons, right? And I think his quote, which we were sharing as a team, is like, it's not, it's not a left thing. It's not a right thing. This is just a people thing. Yes. And it was very, I was like, uh, hey, Andrew Yang, here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah. Parallels. So I wanted to ask you about, I think it's time we have a bit of a nuanced conversation on unions because I think what bothered me on the presidential campaign in particular, or, or as soon mm -hmm. as I got into politics, was you want to be like, 
we're pro-union, right? And it's like black or black or white issue. It's like, if I'm pro-union, I'm pro-people, I'm pro-good-paying jobs, I'm pro the little man, the underdog. And it's hard to, like, refute that. Right, it's hard yeah. to be like, well, if I'm, uh, let's say maybe I don't like unions in all cases, then mm -hmm. I, like, hate people, I'm pro, like, people exploiting workers and laborers and... I don't like hard work like that. I, I want to rip apart families and I don't want people to have pensions like and there's truth on both. But I, I want to say there's there's a nuance because I, I would say, particularly for someone who lives in New York City, like mm -hmm. I think the teachers union here was really destructive during COVID. And mm -hmm. I have teachers I love who are I have really, like that like their union where they are. So it's, I, there there's nuance here. So I'll, I'll start by this by virtue signaling. I am pro-people. So generally, like, the spirit of unions I'm generally for. I just don't think they're always great in practice. Yeah. Um, and I'll get into that. But my question is, in your – maybe – I always ask you to speak for the younger generation, which is not fair on you. So maybe just give your opinion. And yeah, work yeah. Um, <laughs> but, um, have you seen, you know, that your friends or other – like, gen, the, the Gen Z world or maybe when you were in high school is mm – -hmm. uh, do they are they aware of, of unions in general? Do they have opinions on this, or this is just like right over their head? Like I would say, it was very much over my head until recently, because I mean, I've always the past well, not always, just the past three to four years, have been interested in what's going on within Amazon warehouses. Just like there were all those different articles, we've got people peeing into bottles because they felt like they didn't have enough time right. went for their productivity to go to the bathroom. It was like it's on a different the, floor. The stories you're hearing are awful, whether they're true or not unclear i guess but the story yeah. seemed pretty bad yeah so and i totally get that point of like if you have these productivity goals that you need to meet so that you don't get fired they're like yes they're not saying you can't go to the bathroom but it's just this external pressure yeah. and like yeah. it carries over job. so i to be honest like i don't have extensive knowledge into the history of unions and everything like that but like specifically within amazon it's been fascinating to me and yeah i would say like within our generation it hasn't been because Unions haven't been much of a conversation the past well, decade. Losing. Yeah, they've been losing. So it's it just hasn't really been something that's been culturally relevant or whatever. So, but now it seems to be piping up a whole labor movement. So very so interesting. So, so here's how I land on this, and I, I think it's what I want to talk about is that so on the, from the entrepreneurial side, someone took a risk to build a company, right? Yep. Man or woman, they took all the risk and they put it all on black, and then they had to hire people to help them achieve that vision, and they pay folks a wage to do it, right? The hardest part of that is the initial investment, right? The initial risk and that sort of thing and getting people. And you wanna reward people that are creating, literally the definition of making money, they're creating money and opportunity, like they're making one plus one equal three, like that's the stuff that drives, frankly, humanity in many ways. But we also have to make sure we don't exploit individuals. Like if there's, there are folks that have no other opportunity to make a living, to survive, so they have to work in these exploited jobs and then the person who took the risk Yes, they deserve to be rewarded for that risk, but they shouldn't be creating slave labor, right? They shouldn't uh, yeah. be doing things. They shouldn't be abusing people. And that's the balance, right? So these folks, workers should be safe and paid fair and feeling good. The problem is there comes a point sometimes where the person who took that risk and built this, and then the union can show up, sometimes with the best intentions, sometimes not, where they make the company, frankly, uncompetitive or no longer existing. And that kind of defeats the purpose in ways. Yeah. Um, Look, people have different opinions, particularly in Europe, about the, the role of a job. And um, But if we're a capitalist country, we like to compete mm -hmm. in that level. And I think you have to find these nuances. I think the government boring un union jobs, I'm a little more okay with because mm -hmm. it should be more of a like standard. So my, one of my best friends uh, growing up, his dad worked in the union. And he said, you'd get these young whiz kids coming in, but it wouldn't matter. I'd get paid more and I would have to work <laughs> less because I'd been there longer. It was all yeah. about seniority.
that doesn't help in a capitalistic society, right? It doesn't help companies innovate. It doesn't help the consumer usually, right? Um, but in a government, I don't love that, but I, I can see an argument for like, this is like a job program mm -hmm. program or something like that. But you also have a world where unions can be really destructive, where they're, they were focused on the teachers more than they were the kids. Mm -hmm. uh, or you look at campaigns where they're like, it's a campaign, it's a temporary organization. And you had the Bernie campaign, the Warren campaign, a lot of them yep. were the, you, the, the workers are trying to unionize. And I understand like workers should be heard and they should have rights to be paid fair. But guys, we're all sprinting on a campaign. This is not an organization that's gonna exist more than a year, half a year, right? The, the point of unionizing and all the work that goes into it when the organization is gonna die soon doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense. So I feel like the, I guess that's my tirade on like unions for union's sake doesn't make sense um, because it becomes more of a virtue signal, but unions to actually protect workers and create a, a great working relationship between a company and it's like the people that make it run, that's what it should be. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like Chris Smalls, frankly, to me nails that. Yes. He's like, I like this job. Generally speaking, we got some problems, but we want to work here. We want to be paid well. Mm -hmm. We don't want Amazon to go under, but we want to, we want it to thrive, but we want to not be exploited. Am I making any sense? That com made complete sense. And to everything online, I mean, it's e and just messaging in general, it's easy to do the black or white take of go this way because just grouping everything together yeah. like this Unions is are wrong. always good. Yeah, yeah. So That's not fair. Yeah, you know? I, I think that's Jeff Bezos totally always reasonable. evil. Mm -hmm. Not fair because I'm watching the show Out of Range right now. Thank you, Jeff Bezos. He funded the Expanse. I like that show. I get my shipping for free. Love that. You know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. right yeah. now we have to find the balance. Um, and I like theoretically if this argument takes takes place behind closed doors within Amazon and they get to a solution instead of on AOC's Twitter and the public charade, it's probably more productive. Yeah, I, I mean, but there definitely seems to be some internal bias within Amazon. And also just when you, when oh, you yeah. are super high up, like regard like regardless, you're just, you know, you're uh, a little out of touch with certain realities, especially of the, yes. the warehouse workers. So in a way, it's like public opinion is a complete mess, but also it, it definitely does help push those things. So it, it's all a double edged sword and it's nothing is black or white regard like every aspect of everything in life is not black and or you've white. You've got Bezos <laughs> is a trillionaire and you get your workers working for peanuts like guys, that's yeah. awful, right? Like, mm -hmm. but um, what's the but like Bezos built this, right? Mm -hmm. It is, you know, generally his or the public and it, what does Amazon do? It makes money. That's what it is intended for. And um, so it shouldn't exploit people. Yeah. But um, I'm a big believer. I think Warren was in favor of this was uh, putting union representation on the board mm -hmm. and having them be owners. Um, that to me makes a lot of sense, um, especially if you're Amazon, you're that big, you've created that much wealth, like you should be sharing it with the workers. And that doesn't mean they have to, they should run the company. Like, I don't think that equation But like, out. yeah, like these, I I'm always for the little incentives. It doesn't have to be, yeah, like percentages of like, yeah, when the company meets certain goals or whatever it yeah. is, like, yeah, it's just like, it's a group effort. It's a community yes. effort. Like we, we all win together. Like, yeah, just little bonuses when the company wins. It's like that's, that yes. type of stuff is really attractive to me. That's the other thing. If you're mm -hmm. working for nothing or for cheap, right? Mm -hmm. You're putting in the sweat equity. You want to share in the upside. Yes, that's how 100%. startups work, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you're going to underpay me here, but I get a piece of equity. So if I work and it grows, I get a piece of the pie and exactly. I want the pie to be bigger. Unions are so personal mm -hmm. and they're so, in my opinion, case by case, mm -hmm. like union for one industry should be, is, is not should be, is different than union for another industry. Like unions and campaigns don't make any sense. Yeah. Does that mean vo workers shouldn't have a voice? No. Are there other ways to give the workers a voice? Yes. So we should explore that. Right. So I think, 
I think when it comes to unions, and main, uh, probably most things you could say, but there's not this, we just need to remember it's not black and white. This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm gonna do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right? And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses that's tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com yang. That's helixsleep.com yang. This is their best offer yet and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. All right, so the Supreme Court has shot down the long-standing law of the land precedent of Roe v. Wade, which made access to abortions legal in the United States of America. It was abortion was a constitutional right. It has now shot it down uh making abortion up to the states essentially yep um, not protected by the federal constitution what does that mean in practice y'all your conservative states are going to outlaw it however whatever outlaw i think means. it's estimated like 25. your liberal states will probably do everything they can go the other way mm -hmm. if they haven't already i'm like i'm a moderate if you will um but this is something i'm and I'm, I grew up a Christian. I don't, I don't particularly, and it doesn't matter what I think, but, you know, just for, for context, I'm not, like, morally thinking abortion is the greatest thing in the world. But the right to an abortion is something that um, I think is fundamental. And in a modern-day society, no country has ever, ever taken itself out of poverty mm -hmm. without giving access to abortions to women and access to real birth control and, and family planning resources to women. The majority of Americans agree with me. Yep. The majority of Republicans, like a good chunk of Republicans that agree with me. Yep. So this is now, so this is why, and Andrew wanted to say this, I'm going to say is like, I feel like Democrats owe this country an apology for freaking losing in so many ways over the past, let's call it 20 years, because this is where presidential elections matter mm -hmm. um, or not being able to do anything in Congress matters because they could have codified this into law. I mean, there's kind of almost like no words for it. It's pretty wild. It does feel like we're going back decades and decades. To me, it's like, I don't think I would ever do so, except maybe when I was in high school and maybe you were, were to make a stupid decision mm -hmm. or like whatever, having that option would have been so important for yeah. me. Personally, I, I probably would not go through with an abortion, but I 
yes, 100% respect that right for other people. Also, and should never ever be questioned in terms of like rape, incest, all those different things. Yeah. That should never be a question of people having to carry through with that. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just insane to me. And I, I think a lot of um, conservatives are talking about, well, it's, it's just giving power back to the states. Okay, half of the states, 25 states, yeah. are going, would immediately put that into action. And it's, it's, it's just not a conversation to me. And it's like, if you are for that, you better be for rooting for like the foster care system in terms of like all the resources there, yes. everything like that. Like, it just seems like this weird thing online of, um, you know, life, all this stuff. And it's the conversation seems to stop there. Then it's it's uh-huh. never it never goes further uh-huh. into child care and yeah, into foster care and everything like that. I'm like, I should see you advocating for that stuff all the time, especially in this time. I haven't seen like a single tweet about that. It's just like a signaling thing of it, it's really crazy. And what's also really scary is in um, a few of these states is um, Plan B, would, uh, which is a contraceptive method. Yeah would also um, be threatened in, a, I think it's like five or six of these states. And Plan B, all it does is, not like to say all it does, but it blocks fertilization. So yeah. it's before anything's like conceived or anything yeah. like that, this thing that could be blocked in states, that and that gets really in a weird snowball effect of, yeah, then birth control, everything like that. And that's a whole nother conversation. I think more guys that, I'm gonna say, more guys that look like me need to say more about this mm-hmm. because the women are saying, doing what they can, generally speaking. So here's what I'll say. There's an argument any of you may know, but but the reality is like these laws don't make any sense because they don't actually ban abortion. They ban abortion for poor people mm-hmm. because rich people can always get abortion. What happened to rich people in a Southern state that has abortion ban? A couple of things happened, generally speaking. Uh, one is that they're already super rich. And so the 16 year old who gets pregnant marries her high school sweetheart and they make it work because they have money and support and a system around them. And they're this poster child for why you shouldn't ever abort anything. Yeah. Okay, fine. But the other ones, they they go out of state and get an abortion without telling anybody. That's Mm -hmm. the other situation. But that's not what we're talking about. That's not the problem. The problem is for folks that are on the, the bottom of the economic ladder and either make a mistake or they they don't they don't uh, there's not like a let's call it family planning education they don't really understand the cycle of poverty that that continuing to have more babies is putting them in and the hypocrisy is what kills me the hypocrisy is so ridiculous because you say you're pro-life so we force you to take pregnancy to term which okay i get it Mm -hmm. cool this is our gig right but if you are pro-life, then we should also be pro like strong health care and family planning and yeah. paid maternity leave and a great social safety net so that the mothers that take their baby to term can have a positive life for the child. But instead yeah. we say we're pro-life and then fuck you. Good luck. Take care of that kid. Hands and then we off. bitch yeah. when crime goes up. Mm-hmm. And if anyone never read Freakonomics, the first one uh, talks about like why crime went down was when, like there was a direct correlation after crime after Roe v. Wade was implemented and crime, let's call it 18 years later. 18 strong families. Yeah, stronger family. You mm-hmm. have less kids being born out of wedlock and in tougher family situations. It's a real thing. So I think a couple things. My Republican friends that listen to this, they talk about the morality of this, which I understand. Um, but there's a difference between what you believe is morally right and what makes good policy. Mm-hmm. And I think we got to remember that nuance. Like I'm not morally for people like, smoking marijuana in public or driving vehicles yep. or uh, various drugs and things like that. But like the policy wise makes sense to legalize it for a number of different reasons, right? You go down the list of what 
the difference between moral and what makes good policy. I don't see any really evidence at all that that's good economic or social policy to be banning abortions. I will say this to my left friends on the left, the argument, my body, my choice is not resonating with the right. Yeah. Uh, for a number of reasons. One, if it's your body, you don't have the right to murder people. So if they believe it's murder, that's not a good argument. But two, what happened to my body, my choice when we were putting up mask mandates? Like, mm -hmm. like obviously different than abortion. Okay, but like the, 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 we can't have our own hypocrisy yes. and point out mm -hmm. their hypocrisy, right? Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. The best analogy someone told me about, the Carly told me this on abortion, is not, because um, a lot of the, the, the concept of life beginning at conception, right? Yep. They said to me this, if you're, because if you argue that a fetus and an actual born child are equal, mm -hmm. then abortion is murder, right? Um, but if you said, okay, we're in a burning building right now, and there's a six-year-old girl or an infant, um, let's say it's a six-year-old girl and a tower of a hundred fertilized eggs, and you can only grab one, mm -hmm. and the building is burning, which one do you grab? Yeah. You take the child, right? So you, and you let the, and so did you murder a hundred uh, fetuses? Not, I don't think that's equi equivalent, right? I think mm -hmm. most people would save the child because of a number of reasons. So. That's the way I think we need to look at it yep. and then have an honest conversation about abortion. But we're not, and that's my rant. I've had two rants today. That's my rant. No, these are powerful. No, I... I, I, I don't know what you think. No, I 100% agree with all that. I don't have much to add because I think you hit every, every point that you possibly could. So, yeah, just people need to, you know, assess all angles that could, first of all, come at their point and also just, like, all angles of ever just culture and yeah the long the long-term effects of everything too yes. um there's you people need to dive deeper into just saying these blatant statements that are really actually contradicting of each other so. that's right if you want to be a republican and say i'm pro-life mm -hmm. you can't also be pro-small government yeah you know what i'm saying because that's where we're getting into trouble that's where it's bad policy we're just like forcing women to have babies and then we're throwing them to the wolves and some may say i don't care you're going to hell because you're saying that and i don't um, I think that's a cop-out. I mm -hmm. think we need to have real conversations on it. We're both in the same camp, so this isn't like a deep debate, but yeah. um, I do understand this. It's emotionally charged. Yeah. And I apologize to anyone I, I, that I um, have triggered by this, and I would love your comments if you can be nice in the, in the YouTube comment section. I just think more men need to say something. Mm -hmm. it's, it's dark. It's really dark. Um, and so, so here's silver lining. Hopefully Democrats show up to vote in 2022 and 2024 because of this. 100%. Um, I guess, right? Like I... Is that the silver lining? I don't know. It's just wild. Because this is what happens when you lose elections, Democrats. Now, Congress should solve this, and they could pass a law. They could do this. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court's like, you know, whether they're accurate or not, that's really not the point. The point is we need to do something. This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online... I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing. You don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your 
internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com yang. Go to expressvpn.com yang to learn more. Let's talk about student loans. A little less polarizing. Yeah, it, it's still kind of polarizing, I guess. Well, it's not, I don't think it's a polarizing issue. I think this is actually something that is more, it feels more nuanced a little bit. Like there's a lot of different angles people can take and it kind of, it, it doesn't necessarily seem it's a, a black or white thing. So there are kind of three situations right now that are on the table because of course, one of Biden's biggest promises was tackling the student loan issue. And or, you know, it was, was it, it was a big promise that the, the young folks, particularly on the left, grabbed onto, right? Were they like, Biden's on board with our... I'm, I remember that being his, like, yeah, most prominent messaging towards yeah. young people. Yes, so, like that, yes. There's three things on the table. Either Biden cancels up to 10K, Biden cancels between 10K and 50K, which is a big range, but in terms of people's student loans, not necessarily, like, too big of a range. Um, and, Biden, and third, Biden cancels all student debt for everyone or for borrow, borrowers with over 50K. Mm-hmm. When it comes to this, though, there's going to be, if if this any of this happens, income limits. So... If you are a single person, it is if, if you earned less than 150000 per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are in a couple, like a, file your taxes jointly, it would be under two hundred fifty k that you bring in per year is who these things would apply to. It's, it's very interesting. So full disclosure, I have student loans. I think I have just a little bit under the like um, average in America of what the average student has. What's the average? 45 k I thought it was like 30 something okay. K. I don't know. I could be wrong there. I'm assuming it's around 30 K. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> what is the average and how much yeah, below how the much average are you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so when it comes to this, an interesting conversation that I see a lot, even within my relatives is like, you know, if you took out student loans, you knew what you were doing, you pay them. It's such an interesting conversation because like we talked about in one of our first episodes together, Kids don't even know like what they want to do when they get into college. It's just it's the cultural next step when mm-hmm. you leave high school. And, yeah. and so, so many kids, I think it's again, like 70% of people end up changing their major at least once. We've already talked about this. So yeah. to think in my situation and not to like, it's just like, you don't understand what loans were. You didn't learn that in high, in high school. I did not have any required personal finance classes. I ended up taking a personal finance class, but we did not cover anything regarding that. You want to go to a college where you feel like you're getting a decent education. I went to the college that I got the most scholarship money at, but still mm-hmm. need to take out student loans. Yep. You just don't understand the concept of money fully at, at that age. You only maybe had some yeah, minimum wage jobs. Mine paid like $7 an hour. The concept of tens of thousands of dollars, it's like you can't even understand that. Mm-hmm. Like Genuinely, you just don't understand. And you're like, I just need to go to college. And this is what's going to set me up 
for the future well yep it's it sounds weird but like when you think of it from the major perspective it's the same type of situation of like you're just blinded by all these different things Mm -hmm. and you just go into it and then you leave college and you're like oh my gosh i now understand being an adult how much money that is right and how much college has gone up by in terms of like percentages and whatever has not by any means matched inflation over the past decades it has far exceeded that like it's a big market yeah yeah so there's a lot of different angles but that's a that's a point that really bothers me of like oh you knew what you were getting into there's also the point of you know other people have paid their loans i think that's just like a weak argument of like you want everyone to suffer yeah it sucks and like it sucks that i i feel that way too of over the past what two years when how student loans have been paused mm-hmm. i was like oh should i keep paying them i'm like actually i'm gonna pause because what if something does happen i would yes regret paying them i know that would suck if i was paying these past two years and it kind of gets washed i'd be like oh my god i, I spent thousands over the past two years paying them w- without um yep. yeah interest rates and whatnot so i understand that feeling and it sucks but yeah, to to put it on other people of like, you, Just yeah, you, you keep, yeah, it, it's it's everybody. it's wild, yeah. And then there's the other other big ones like there's a lot of people that didn't go to college. Like you're almost in a way punishing, or not even punishing. Let's say not rewarding those who made let's call it the financially prudent decision. Yep. Theoretically, it said, look, I can't afford college. I'm not going to go. Mm-hmm. Or they went like the cheaper route and they took night classes and did things like that, which is a, it's a fair argument. For sure. Um, the other argument. On the pro is that, you know, you'd unlock uh, theoretically a whole generation or it's not a whole generation. It's about, what, 30 percent of American adults over 18 that mm-hmm. have gone to college. A lot of folks are a lot of people with the most student loans are, are past their 30s yes. uh, by the number. So it isn't going to be as big of a boon as you think. But it is taking the boot off a lot of people's throat. Um, it is kind of ending a, a ridiculous system. Here's my point, And I, I've heard folks talk about this. Scott Galloway has talked about it. They talk about mm-hmm. this on all in podcasts as well is. I'm I'm in favor of this theoretically as long as they solve the problem going forward. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Where if we just cancel all student debt right now, what are you doing in the future? So one, you now, you know, in some ways injected a whole bunch of capital into the economy and we have an inflation market. So maybe not great. I'm not an economist. I don't particularly know. But here's the other piece is so anybody else who goes to college, do they go for free? Like, what's yeah. the solution there? And the issue uh-huh. with this stuff is at the at the root of it is a skills matching problem. Mm-hmm. If someone said, I don't, like you're an 18 year old, you don't know what you want to go, go to college for, what's your message, do what you love. So these kids are going <laughs> to wildly expensive schools and they're majoring in either, like the two problematic major categories to me are like something like a passion major, like the arts or mm-hmm. um, something that isn't going to pay a lot coming out like a philosophy or something. Yes. That, and there's nothing, um, particularly wrong with those fields of study, except that there's not a lot of jobs in yeah. them that pay very well. So you've now spent a lot of money to have with minimal earning potential off that degree. Mm-hmm. And the second one is it's too broad. Like uh, mm-hmm. it sounds cool, it's like business administration, but it's not maybe like specialized enough for your yes. path. Basically, like you're, you're telling kids like, go do, go do this unemployable career path and we're gonna give put you in like 200 grand worth of debt and good luck paying it off. Mm-hmm. And so that to me is unsustainable. If, do we have an engineer shortage in this country? Probably. Yes. Um, uh-huh. Do we have a, a medical a certain field doctor shortage, particularly in rural parts of America? Yes. Like that's where we should be mm-hmm. paying people to go to college and learn that advanced degree. Um, we have a, a trade shortage. We yes. should be sending people to free trade school in certain parts of the country and certain types of people. That's so. If there's a plan there, that to me makes sense. 
again, this is one of the things. It sounds so good, but then you like yes. peel back the onion just, and that's a, it's a frustrating. We're not talking like, we're not experts in this per se. We're just peeling like one layer. Yeah, these are just, yeah, yeah. Like one step, bro. Parts um, of the thought process, iterations in the thought <laughs> process. We're not like saying. Ask one follow-up <laughs> question and it gets complicated. When this first kind of broke of President Biden just told a group of lawmakers he's looking at different options to forgive most, if not all, federal student loan debt, I did a quote tweet. And to your point of, OK, wh what happens to education after this? Because the cost problem still remains. I was like, yeah, this feels like it could be a breaking point for higher education. We mm -hmm. already see so many people assessing their next yes. steps after high school because of these cost things. So the cost will still remain. The government won't be doing this every X amount of years, because at that point, why not make college free? Yep. obviously like what are you paying for and families will feel the moral duty to have their kids consider other options before the pandemic and you know this is something we already talked about of, that's kind of something that is good that came from the pandemic is people assessing gap years and everything like that but before the pandemic and yeah even when i first graduated high school it was still like a lot of pressure of the next step so just I, it's going to become much more normal mm -hmm. for parents to like assess this for their kids and this is something I've argued often I used to make TikTok content about yeah, how kid, uh, high school and everything like that should have yeah uh, financial literacy courses that are required I know some schools do but it is not a requirement across the country the only problem with that is again kids have no grasp on real world experiences so it just becomes another class where you remember stuff for a test and then it flies out the window for financial literacy yes even mm. that because you you've never dealt with money yourself before so it becomes weird there and this is a problem i have with the greater education system in general is that there needs to be more experiential learning yes that's that's a very easy statement to say obviously and kids can't necessarily go into yeah internships there's not enough internships and then it would there would be an issue of not unpaid internships, all this different stuff. Maybe they could get high school credits for it, whatever. But to me, what schools need to be doing and a role teachers can really play is being great curators of content and information. Right now, so much of the content they get is from, yes, textbooks. How kids like to learn is through like their favorite YouTube creators and everything like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's so many amazing, yeah, financial YouTubers that like teachers can, pull from it starts with that it gets these kids really engaged in terms of learning from someone that they directly respect their financial situation they see the real world mm -hmm. application through these videos and then textbook learning supports that because it's like they, they saw it a, a real world experience of someone they respect even though they didn't like live through it they yep. are vicariously living through it and then the textbook st information actually becomes interesting and applicable to their real lives because right now if you just go textbook to test again you're just learning for the test and it goes out the window correct so there just needs there's needs to be kind of an uphaul in the education system right now because kids are not interested in how they are learning information at all. It's so it's, it's active learning, right? So we yeah. do this to my nonprofit suit up where you. Uh, oh yes, you know this kids, too well. Yeah, well, instead of teaching <laughs> kids like math, you say like, no, we're going to create a new shoe for yeah. Nike, and you're going to have to use math to figure out what it costs, yes, right? They need and that. Like, and then you can see kids like a light bulb goes off. But mm -hmm. I, I'll tell you what, when we started doing this, I thought. This is what edu like teachers should be doing, right? Yes, 100%. Um, and, I, and I can't tell you how many teachers and students are like, I've never learned, I never thought of this, I've never done, I've never realized why I'm learning creative writing or math. <laughs> I and feel so dumb for mansplaining that to you. You were like the picture, like well, you no, created something. I think it was a good something. for anybody else. And yes. I, it was nice to hear you talk about it because it's true. And, and yeah, here's yeah. the problem though, it's like, <laughs> it's, 
and Andrew's talked about this on the trail at times too. He's like, a good a good teacher is worth their weight in gold. And mm-hmm. like, the problem is we're talking about scale, right? Um, so private schools, frankly, the, the parents are paying out the ass for X Y like for great teachers, and so yep. these great teachers have and they and they inherently get curriculum flexibility so they can craft these lessons to teach the kid. But at scale, you're a public school, you end up having this like to prevent people from going off the rails. You end up having mm-hmm. like structure the curriculum almost like you know industrial assembly line right and it's like this is the math curriculum teach it make sure they get it right and you know at scale you'd rather have them learning to add than uh learning what nike is you yeah. know theoretically um so it's hard reality is like education is more of an art than a science and mm-hmm. so you want the, the solution is to have great teachers and to get there you have to pay them a lot exactly So, all right, what's one thing getting you excited, though? What's one thing you'd be happy about? This, this was a, it's not necessarily something to be excited about, but I found it very interesting that broke today. It was very nostalgic, a little, a little bit, like, not triggering, but uh, the iPod got discontinued today. The iPod, iPod. The, the, the iPod, OG the OG. iPod. I, like, gone? I, I thought it's been gone, but, like. They still sell it at the Apple <laughs> I don't store? know. I'm assuming just on the website. <laughs> yeah, I thought it's I don't know. Wow. I always assume it's been gone, but like that. Seeing that news today, I was like, actually, that kind of like no more iPods. Yeah, because that was I like they, the black crazy. market for this. So the secondary market go, goes up. You want to buy an iPod? On your I day. have like my old ones, like those yeah, thick, like, like the yeah. pink ones. Like kids today will never understand the and appreciate the awesomeness of that iPod. Like the first color iPod screen was like, oh my god. Yeah, now they're gonna have the Instagram NFTs that <laughs> that yeah. also. R.I.P. I'd say. I'm excited. I, I'm doing wedding planning. <gasps> I got engaged. I know. That's crazy. Like, tell the backstory. Like, where where would it end up being? How long were All you right, planning? This is what we're going to do. Gentlemen, keep up. Okay? I engaged. For those of you who never met Carly, she was our finance director on the presidential. She's great. You probably got a bunch of angry emails from Carly if you ever donated to the presidential. <laughs> the inside joke on the campaign was Carly was like, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Uh, would be a common subject line. She loves scavenger hunts. She did a scavenger hunt one time. And I love that like nerded out. She's a nerd. Like mm-hmm. if you ever listen, she has a podcast called Overpriced JPEGs on NFTs. I don't understand any of that stuff. <laughs> so I was like, it'd be fun to do a scavenger hunt. So I did a scavenger hunt where every stop on this tour, she would ideally, um, she would meet up with friends from all over the country that she hadn't seen in a while, like oh Brian in New York. Um, and which is luck. Um, unfortunately, like she's a very good friend. So her friends were like, I'm willing to fly out. And I didn't have to pay for their flights. So thank you Oh, all. wow. Yeah. She got out of bed and like she, like I left and, and uh, she woke up and got a clue at the door, and then she went to her favorite coffee shop, and her best friend was there, and then the barista gave him a clue. Was she, like, anticipating that stuff was happening this day at all? Or so, she, like, woke up and you were, like, sca- scavenger hunt? So, yeah, it was actually a disaster where um, <laughs> best laid plans, if you ever do proposal, it's, um, it never goes the way you want it to, mm-hmm. and ideally that's the fun part. So she was doing this last-minute trip. She's so freaking smart, so she was, like... Uh, she had planned it last minute to be the weekend I had been planning. And there's a lot of moving parts, like her mom's in town and aunt and uncle's in town and all oh her friends gosh. are flying out. She's like, I'm coming back. I proposed on the 30th that she was coming back. I come back May 1st. And I was like, no, you're not. Like, you're, you're not doing that. Oh. Um, and I was like, and I, my cover for this event was that we had a, our friends were having a fundraiser party that day. Um, so I was trying to keep it casual. I was like, what about their fundraiser? And she's like, why do you care so much about that fundraiser? Yeah, like, I don't like, know. I was like, why would you possibly? Oh, my God, you're proposing that weekend. That's what she said to me. I was like, oh, my God. It's awful. Oh, and my God. Like, no, no, I'm not. So she kind of knew, but she didn't know what. Um, 
But she cut her trip early, thank God. But because she was on like trip time or whatever, she was up at seven in the morning and her first clue is at her favorite coffee shop. And so she's up at seven in the morning and wants to go get to the coffee shop. And I'm like, oh my God, no, like yeah. that's awful. Um, so I like you know, basically distracted her with Gilmore Girls, her favorite show. And I was like, we'll just watch it. Yeah. Anyway, Sit in front of the TV. <laughs> it was awful. Oh, it was awful. But eventually you got that. And so she met her, her best friend at the coffee shop. And then we went to, she went to, a, each one was like a clue. She had to find it. And then went to Aritzia and saw all of her college friends. It was like her favorite store. And mm -hmm. she got like a dress. And then we did a lunch at her normal campaign spot where she used to eat ramen all the time on the campaign. And all the camp, <laughs> a, a number of campaign friends were there. And then... She went down to the hotel, got a hotel room and did like, you know, got her nails done in mm -hmm. Champagne and listened to Taylor Swift with her like hometown friends. And then I got one of the actors from Gilmore Girls. She loves that show. Did like a cameo. Oh I tried my to gosh. get the actual Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Rory, <laughs> wow, you Lorelei. went all out. This is like very. I did. And like... then we met that we did at the first place. And she went to the first place we ever met, which was a campaign event at the Skinny uh -huh. Bar which is a dive bar, but they were so much fun. They mm -hmm. were like really fun to like set it up. And then all like friends and family were there and we had like open bar, so. Wow. I will say this, guys, have you ever proposed? Um, it's a lot more nerve wracking than I ever thought. I didn't think I'd be nervous. Cause like, I knew she could say yes, cause we had talked about it. And you're like with her day in and day out. So it's like, yeah. oh, it's fine. But that, that ring burns a hole in your pocket. <laughs> Rings are a racket, they're a racket. Um, I would recommend going to a state jewelers. Mm -hmm. You can get some good deals there. And so now I'm in the throes of wedding planning because there's a lot of backup. If you don't want to get married mm -hmm. in like three years, you got yeah. to kind of act pretty fast because there's like a backlog from COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what size of the wedding? I want a huge wedding. Oh, you do? Because I just love people and like I don't want to okay. have to say no to people that I like. If you're going to feed and have a bar for 200 people, mm -hmm. it's like $200 a pop. Like, I don't, it does like maybe in New York's probably more expensive in certain parts of the country, a little expensive, but it it's between so 150 expensive. and 250. Like, I don't know if, if someone, you want to DM me and find me like alternatives. So I've, I've decided we're either going to go like, like a backyard barbecue and uh -huh. save all the money. I was going to say, just, just do that. Or just go all in, you know, um, and just do Either end of the nice spectrum. Wedding. Not like, you know, crazy wedding, but like actually just spend the money because it's worth, if you're going to do it, do it. It's kind of hybrid. Um. Now I'm not, I have been saving. I've been like a good book we all read is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm a mm -hmm. big believer in like only spending money you have. To me right now, I'm like, I would just want to get eloped or something. That seems like I, I would get anxious more on my wedding day. And if there was a ton of people, so I'm like, oh, I want to like enjoy it. Mm. But Andrew Schultz, actually, when he got married recently, yeah. he had a very interesting Instagram caption. It was like, your wedding is like kind of the last day that all your loved ones will be in the same room. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, it's kind of like the one time in your life it's that- It's the only time. Yeah, like- the, you really think about it. Like mm -hmm. I'm looking at, I got college friends, high school yes. friends, campaign friends. And then Carly's got a similar, like we overlap in the campaign, which is cool. But the New York friend, like, and then your family's there too. It is, I was like, this is gonna be really cool. Like yeah. if you get, if we do a really good job, it'll be wonderful. I don't wanna say it's a racket. The rings are a real mm -hmm. racket, but it's a lot. It's- um, uh, uh, It's it's bad. It's, uh, cause I was looking at some of like, trying to find like, like discount, like cheaper venues. Mm -hmm. It's the same. You save a little bit on the venue cost, but you still gotta feed everybody and you gotta have a bar. I, did, I, I don't, I mean, some people do cash bars, like to you to your own, but like, I don't know. People are gonna come all the way out to your wedding. Let, let's bar, uh let's get the government to target <laughs> wedding venues. That's yeah, that's the real subsidies, you know. <laughs> hey, if you, 
I actually like there's like pro family policy. I was gonna say, like, I mean, it's pro. You can get married and stay married for X number of years. Let's call it twenty years. You like, stipend. Every year. Like you get, um, or it's like you get the money up front and you don't have to pay it back the longer you're together. I'm laughing, uh, but actually, we kind of need that now. We could use that. Um, some of the some of the like photos we took, the engagement photos, are like they don't look like engagement photos. It mm. looks like we're dropping like a, a new startup. We look like really like an ambitious couple. You're like, like, <laughs> Yeah. On uh, the go. Or like in New a York couple City. of them like, took like really hard photos. Like, <laughs> Where? You got to upload these. What the heck? Okay. Uh, I put some on Instagram. I haven't put them all up. I guess I'll drop them over time. Okay, cool. Thanks, anyway. everyone. <laughs> guys, thank you for joining. Ladies, guys, everybody, we love you. Tune in Monday. Andrew will be back. See Bye. Ya. <laughs>